Hello and welcome to Blazers for Goalposts. My name is Joe and as always I'm joined by my co-host Kaitel. We're also very lucky to be joined by a very special guest. A big welcome to Armando Shoshoa. Armando is only 19 but he's already etched himself into Spurs' history books by being the first player to lead a Spurs team out at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And that's something we're going to be speaking about a bit later on. These days, Armando is plying his trade on the island of Mallorca for Atletico Baleares. So we're excited to hear how that's been going too. Armando, thank you for being here. How, um, how's it going in Spain? Is it nice, sunny weather? Is yeah, it a little bit too hot for me. It's good, it's good, it's good. Um, the lifestyle is really nice here. Everyone's like really relaxed. In terms of the culture for football, it's, it's very different to, to what I was used to. But it's, it's really good. It's really good. Nice. I'm glad to hear it. Hey, Armando. Kai here. Great to have you with us. Joe and I grew up in West Hampstead in London. And uh, until recently, I know that you were a West Hampstead lad yourself. So curious, what's your favourite yeah. thing about the area? How did you enjoy living there? I only lived there for three years. I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, but I, I lived in West Hampton for three years, and I've got to say, the location was great in terms of close to Central. You weren't too close to Central, so it's always busy. But um, I really enjoyed the area. It's got good shops. The Nando's around the corner was great as well for me. But um, I've got to say, it was just really nice. It was quiet. I, I liked West Hampton a lot. Probably one of my favorite places that I've lived. So I'm, I'm hearing it was the best three years of your life, basically. No, I know that Nando's that you... We got, we got a couple of Nando's, actually. We're just swimming in Nando's in West Hampstead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I normally go to the one on the West, West End Lane, the high street, yeah. Actually, Yoni, one of our um, contributors to the podcast, he lives in, a, in an apartment directly above that Nando's on West End Lane. Must love it. He, yeah, no, he's, that's prime, prime real estate he, right there. He definitely loves it. <laughs> Joe, though, you've, you've lived in West Hampstead for longer than any of us. I took off, moved to the States, so you're, you're sort of like the West Hampstead veteran. What can you tell us about West Hampstead? What, what do you like about it? Yeah, well, I guess I've more or less always lived in West Hampstead my entire life. So, you know, I like to think I know the area pretty well. I've got to say I'm a big fan of a lot of the pubs and bars in the areas. So some of my personal favourites include the Alice House, the cocktail bar, Bobby Fitzpatrick's, and the Black Lion as well. Um, as you said, Kai, you obviously live in LA these days, but... West Hampstead was your home once upon a time. So what were your favourite West Hampstead haunts? Typically for me, it would be similar to Armando in the sense that I'm, I'm a bit food obsessed. So like it would be a restaurant that I would pick out. And after I remembered the name of the restaurant that I was going to be my choice, I realised how similar the name was to one of the lyrics in, in a Fulham song, which is actually a parody of a, another song, Country Roads. But I sort of mugged off Fulham and Fulham fans on the podcast recently, so this will be my apology letter in, in the form of a song. Hopefully it doesn't cause any more offence. Hopefully it is taken as an apology. So you'll know my answer at the end of this song. Here we go. Take me home, take me home to the place I belong. Green Cottage, Finchley Road, take me home. <laughs> so Fulham have a song about Craven Cottage by the river. I've swapped up some lyrics, but Green Cottage is the best Chinese restaurant in London. And uh, Joe and I have been there plenty of times. So that, that's my bit, Green Cottage, for all you sort of like West Hampstead people. So 
So now we've got a few questions about, well, I know your career was already in, in the early stages, but kind of the, the early, early stages. So Armando, your career is very much still in its early stages, but tell us, what are your earliest memories of playing football? Earliest memories of playing football? I used to always just play football in the garden with my brother. So always since I, since I was young enough to remember anything, really. Just like kicking a ball around, around the house and stuff. Actually, I've got a really vivid memory. I lived in Russia for two years, between the ages of three and five. And I remember, I think my dad knew someone who was like a kind of a football coach type of thing over there. And this was when we were starting to like really enjoy football a lot. And almost like warehouse type of thing that I have no idea, but we do like a training session with this guy. But it, I remember that so vividly, like doing like random exercises. Um, do you know those little balls with the, like the five different spikes that you throw at a wall and it bounces off? And just, yeah, using that for like your touch, stuff like that. That's a really vivid memory that I have. My, me and my brother used to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, like yeah, Russian warehouses. Who'd have thought that that had been a place where you were, you were getting your football skills up? It's interesting that you mentioned your brother there, Sam, who's obviously um, a footballer as well. And what I was interested in, I guess you've already sort of answered it, but he clearly had a bit of an impact in your early memories. But how much has he kind of had an impact on your, your whole football career to this point? A lot, but it's, um, we're quite similar ages, so he's only a year and a half older than me. So we probably have the same amount of impact on each other. And sure. We were both playing um, Sunday league football just when we were younger. This was the ages I was, I was around six years old. He must have been seven or eight at the time. And then um, I got scouted for a couple of clubs and ended up going to Tottenham to start out when I was six, turning seven. And then after that, my mum my and my dad said to the people who scouted me, look, if you like him, I'm pretty sure you're going to like his brother as well if you want to take a look at him. And so they did take a look at him. They liked him a lot as well. So we ended up basically joining Tottenham at the same time. Oh, so he's, he's got you to thank. I did, didn't know that. You must be quite proud of that fact that you got him in there. It would have happened anyway. It was quite a funny story. Nice. Armando, the video game football manager, is something that we've mentioned a bunch of times on the pod and I actually still happen to play a decent amount of it here and there. Something I've noticed in my most recent game is that many years into the save you and your brother are registered for the United States and for Venezuela respectively. So Armando what roles did those cultures play in your childhood and where does that American and Venezuelan heritage come from? My mum is half Spanish half Venezuelan the Venezuelan comes from her dad's side, so my granddad on my mom's side. And the American, my dad is half American, half Egyptian. American through his mom's side, so um, I've never been to America, ever in my life. But I used to go to Venezuela a lot as a kid. So in terms of culture, probably Venezuelan have had more of an impact. Of course, I haven't been there recently because the country is a bit of a, it's in a bit of a state right now. But um, when I was young, I used to go quite a lot. We used, to, we used to go to like the Angel Falls. I don't know if you know it, but it was amazing. So Venezuela is, is an amazing country. Right? Venezuela is unbelievably beautiful. So, yeah, probably, probably Venezuela had more of an impact than the U.S. did. Given that you do have that part of your family, the, the American side and the Venezuelan side, have you or your brother ever considered, besides England, potentially representing those other nations? Yeah, of course. Um, 
I know personally, I, I've I've always considered that a possibility in in the least. Nothing's ever nothing's ever come from it from from their side. Um, but I know a couple of um, like Venezuelan or American Twitter pages or or Instagram pages might say the random thing about what what me and my brother are doing. But I would definitely, if the if it came up, I would definitely consider it because I I think that would be that would be really really interesting. Um, England. It's probably less likely to happen, especially with the, the current youngsters they have now. But of course, it depends what happens in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, when you're playing for Real Madrid in a few years, Armando, I'm sure England will be, um, you know, they'll be they'll be taking a look. Um, going um, going back to kind of your early days, and I know you were saying earlier about sort of playing with your brother in Russia and things like that. It sounds like you moved around a lot as a kid, but when. Um, when you were at school in wherever you were living at those times, were you always the, the best kid in the playground when it came to the football game? Was it, was it always kind of a bit too easy for you in those early stages, playing with your peers? Russia, I can't really remember. I don't think we played football like that over there. It was an Anglo-American school or something. Um, but I know definitely when I moved back to England, living in the countryside, and I, I went to a school called Edge Grove, and there, were, there was me my brother and another friend of ours called Odie and all three of us play football um, still. So we had a, a really, really, really good team. <laughs> um, Odie plays for QPR. He was on loan. He came on loan here um, for six months. And then he went on loan, I think it was Conference South. And now he's um, been pre-season with the first team at QPR. So he's doing really well. Obviously, my brother's at Tenerife. And so we had a really good school football team. So yeah, it was it was it was quite easy, but it was fun. Well, I know it sounds sounds like it was a lot of fun if you had three guys that would go on to all be professionals in there. Sure, and we wouldn't have liked to have played against you. There was one of those flexible boarding schools as well. So I've got loads of memories. We used to go. To, there was an Astro there. Um, say we'd be boarding, stay in the night or something. All three of us would do it at the same time. And then there'd probably be three teams of five. 5v5 on the Astro and then just betting on sweets, five, uh, five reach or something like that. It was, it was, those, are, those are some of the best memories I have for football. <laughs> Good way of making pocket money, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it was all of us, they, we were always captains of different teams as well. So it was always competitive. That, that, was, that was great. Nice. So, um, obviously, yeah, you said you had a couple of mates who actually ended up going pro like yourself, which is a far cry from me and Joe playing with a pop-up goal at our mate's house. I think there's a story that we won't tell there, but me and Joe have this story of playing pop football at a friend's house. And I, I hurt myself very badly. It's a, it's, a, it's a long story, but the point is, yeah, you, were, you, were, you and your mates were on a different level, clearly. I'm going to move on to um, to Tottenham now, Armando. So you mentioned, Spurs. <laughs> yeah, Joe's Joe's the Spurs fan out of the two of us. I'm actually, well, I won't mention it, but you can probably fill in the blanks to figure out what what team I follow. Um, otherwise, he's a horrible gooner, Armando. Horrible gooner. Joe's outed me. Yeah, the secret's out. Um, <laughs> you you sort of mentioned it briefly earlier about being scouted and about your uh, your mom was it asking them to take a look at your brother as well, but. You said you were playing Sunday League and you had a few teams, was it maybe, looking at you. How, how did it all really come about and what were your feelings at the time 
when you were being scouted by Spurs and being told that they wanted you to come trial or join their academy? Um, I was playing for London Colney Colts at the time, and we actually had a we had a really talented group. So I think it was one of the boys on the team. His dad, his dad was um, the manager of the team as well, or the coach, and he knew some people in the in the scouting world. And so he got quite a lot of scouts to watch some of our games. And I think most of us ended up getting scouted for some team or other. So that was, that was really cool. When I found out Tottenham were interested in stuff, firstly, it was very much um, my parents' decision as to where I was going. Because obviously I was, I was six at the time. I was extremely young. Um, but I think they, they chose Tottenham based on, I think they just liked the whole setup how they dealt with youngsters in general. They saw, I think, a progression there. And I don't know how, how, if they thought of football as an actual job occupation that I was going to get into and go pro eventually. My, my dad's very business oriented. Um, but at, at the very least, I think they, think they thought it would be good discipline. And that is something that I would have always have taken away from the football world if, if I hadn't pursued it. But Were you a Spurs man? Um, was that no? I was I was an Arsenal fan or something. Oh, okay, so you're on you're on the, the side of the light. Joe's, Joe's on the dark side. I guess Armando, you were on the dark side for a little bit, although. <laughs> oh, that's such a shame. But you know, you 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 saw the light eventually. So you know, yeah, that's all good. Yeah, Harry Kane was a little fan, wasn't he? So you know, who who cares? <laughs> I ended up um, not supporting. I've stopped supporting teams. I don't know if this is like um, a thing that a lot of people are doing, but I'm more. The more I got into football, the more I realised that I just enjoyed a certain team's style of football or the way they were playing for a couple of years. So I'd just gravitate to wherever the best football was being played in terms of the style that I liked and the football philosophy that, that I think is the best. So obviously I had, from my Spanish side, my family were all, were all Madrid supporters. I loved Xavi, Iniesta, Messi. So I was a Barca fan, which caused some animosity. Um, but other than Barca, there's never really been a team that I've, I've supported. Fully. I think it's one of those situations where it's like your first I mean, yeah, answer so is your last answer. So Arsenal is what I'm hearing. So in um, in the 2018-2019 season, you had the privilege, Armando, of captaining the Spurs under-18 team. And this was... A team that obviously included, well, you captain the side, but the likes of Ollie Skitt, Troy Parrott, Malachi Fagan Walcott, Sirkin, Harvey White, all these great players were part of this team that you captained. So it's no surprise that you were very successful and you all did really well. Did you relish being the leader of this really talented team? Skippy didn't really play with us. He played in the, um, I know. In the stadium game. They, they, they got him in for that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay, so he wasn't a regular. But. He wasn't, yeah, no, he, wasn't, he didn't even train with us all the 23s or anything. So. <laughs> he was very much a first-team player from, from the off. Um, do you know Janelle Bennett? Oh, yeah, first goal at the new stadium. Of course I know Janelle Bennett. Janelle was, was very good that season. To be fair, though, that season, more than anything, was due to, to Matt Wells and Scott Parker. Okay. We had some great players, but the, the system of football that we played was unbelievable and I've never had a coach since or before that has he's got a certain Matt, Matt Wells is the one behind all the, um, 
all the tactics and the way we play and all of this and all this. It's very much Pep. He's an, he's um, almost a, a freak when it comes to the details, but he's unbelievable. And it took us, because they, they started coaching us half, um, the season before, and we were on and off kind of like Pep's first season at City. But since um, we were all going into our second year with them, me, Jamie, even Janil, even though he's younger, because he was with us a lot that season, all of us had been with Matt for, for, and Scott for a year at that point. So everything just kind of clicked. And we scored 40, 40 odd goals in our first eight games. Um, so I can't take too much credit as the leader um, for how we played or anything like that, or, or even the players themselves. I mean, we, we, we were a very talented group of players and, and, we, and we knew that as well. And we were very confident going into the season, but I'd say it was mostly due to, to, to Matt Wells. Scott Barker. Well, that's interesting because obviously that duo has just taken Fulham up to um, Premier League um, and we'll see them probably have a bit more um, of the limelight thrust upon them this season um, but no that's very interesting what was um, out of interest what, what was Troy Parrott like that season because obviously in the last year Spurs fans have been demanding to see him in the, yeah. the first team. he's now on loan at Millwall obviously yeah what, what was it like to play with this young really hyped striker yeah no no it was good because obviously we'd known him since I think a year and a half before that. So it wasn't like he was a brand new member of the group at that time. But um, obviously it was great playing with him. He's an, he's an unbelievable player and he scored a lot of goals for us. Um, but he wasn't with us for the whole season either. He sort of, he got pushed. I think it was to the 23s and a bit with the first team at the end of that season. But um, he wasn't with us for the entire season. When he played for the 23s, he did really well as well. And, um, I played a couple of games with him that season for the 23s as well. And no, Troy's a great guy. He's a great player as well. So it was a pleasure. Nice. And I know um, you just mentioned the 23s there. I know that the season that just happened, the first half of the season, you were playing with the under-23s and you actually played for Spurs in the EFL trophy, so up against the professional teams. And you even scored the Portman Road, which must have been um, great. But also, you, you were part of the team that knocked out Colchester. Well, not knocked out, the irony of that was in the same season. The first team lost on penalties. So, yeah, one, how was it playing in a tournament with the senior teams? And two, did you have any banter with the first team about achieving what they weren't able to in beating Colchester? Um, so in, in, with the first question, yeah, it was great. It was great playing against um, senior teams because then you got to. There's always that thing when you're playing with the 23s and you don't know if it's real football because they're all kids your age. You've known them for ages as well. Um, but when it came to that, I think it was a realization for a lot of us that, of course, the level was different and um, it's more fast-paced and there's more strength involved and all this more physical. So that was the biggest thing that I took from it personally. Also, the group we're playing with had, um, I'm really close with, with a lot of the boys from that team. So people like Tash, who's obviously gone on to Stoke, um, Tariq, I can, name, I can name so many of them. Um, but that was, that was really interesting playing. I think we all felt that we could have done better in, in that tournament. We could have got out of the group stages and stuff. Um, but it was a good experience. It was, it was a good experience. And no, we didn't, we didn't really have any banter with the first team. <laughs> Not, yeah, I mean, Lucas Morris skied his penalty, whereas you scored yours. I wonder if you know, have a few words with him. 
Now, as you said, um, there's not that much interaction um, first team for Tony Cruz, but um, I probably should have said something. That would be. <laughs> well, it's a good point to move on to this next bit on about not too much interaction with the 23s and the first team squad. But even as an Arsenal fan, I've been enjoying the sort of spectacle that is all or nothing Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, but presumably, Armando, yeah, being at the training complex and being around the first team squad, you would have been a lot closer to the action than the rest of us who've just, you know, definitely we've been streaming it off of Amazon and not finding any other ways to watch it online. Definitely. But uh, basically, what do you make of all of it? And do you have any maybe behind the scenes exclusives that you can share with us about the filming of All or Nothing? To be fair, other than um, a couple of whispers here and there, I, I found out more from the documentary than, than I did from being at the training ground. Because obviously we're, there's two different sides of the building. There's the academy side and then there's the first team side. Like you have different canteens, you have different changing rooms, different, completely different areas. So you only really ever go over there. Um, when, you're in, when you're under 17s, you do jobs and stuff, so like pumping up their balls, cleaning up their boots, stuff like that. So then you go over to their side. 23s use their gym, so obviously there's some interaction there, but it's not, it's not like you're sitting with them and eating with them and things like that. It's very much, unless you're training, and which you do do a lot in international breaks or something because they need players, there's not that much interaction, so you don't get any of the gossip really, unless one of the boys is with them all the time, so someone like Skippy or Troy. That's the only time you'd have anything, but other than that, I found out more from the documentary itself, which is great, by the way. Yeah, no, like I said, uh, even as an Arsenal fan, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it, sort of like Deli Alley and all his weird physio room jokes. Speaking of the, you said the, the weight room or the, the gym you guys share with the first team squad or the under-23s, were you ever just tempted to, I don't know, like get Harry Kane to like spot you on the bench or like, <laughs> like something like that? Just be like, all right, mate, would you mind spotting me or blah, blah, blah. We wouldn't be allowed. You, you said you wouldn't be allowed to. We wouldn't to. be allowed to do gym at the same time. No. Oh. do gym at the same time as him. Okay. Obviously, sometimes it would cross over. So say um, we're doing pre-activation or something before training. Um, some of them would come in early and do some stuff in the gym or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But there'd never be a time when we were doing a gym session and then they would also have a gym session on at that same time. We would just be told to get out if that was the case, and then come back later. So who would be the ones in early then? Who were the good trainers that you noticed from your time? Yeah, most, most of them did. It was, it, was, it was a lot of them. So obviously you've got Kane, where Tongan was there a lot, um, Aldevero, Lucas, Ericsson when he was there. A lot of them came in for those, just like if they have a little niggle or something, they do a little bit. It wasn't like they're doing upper body gym or lower body gym before training. It's just um, releases on the roller, stuff like that, and work. Even if you weren't working out directly next to these guys or lifting weights, whatever, next to these guys, I'm sure word gets around the training ground and around the teams and stuff. Who's, who's just an absolute beast from the first team squad for Spurs, just breaking all the, the records, the strongest, the whatever it is? Probably um, Musa. <laughs> Musa Sissoko? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and he's definitely in training. You still want to even go near him when you're under the ball. It's scary. Okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> a bit of a unit. Lamella's dangerous in training sometimes. Lamella, oh, that guy's... Or does he fly in with the tackle? He's got a dirty oh, he streak. He loves a good tackle. He loves... Yeah. He's a great guy. Though. 
I speak Spanish, so um, there's a little bit of that connection. It was like him, Juan, Paolo, that sometimes you see them in the pool and stuff, have a little bit of a conversation because I speak Spanish as well. Lorente, when he was at the club, I love that guy. Such a good, <laughs> good guy. Musa, probably the strongest. Really quick as well. But um, when he was at the club, Dembele. Uh, what, so Musa Dembele, you were saying as well. well imagine he was just... Yeah, he was probably just the best. He was a joke. He was so good. I couldn't get near him, ever. I mean, as a, as a fan, I obviously loved watching him play. And it's interesting, whenever you hear any, any Spurs player interviewed, including yourself, everyone always, yeah, says about how good Dembele was. He's one of those players that's really respected by the players as well. He was, he was really, really, really good. <laughs> good old Mooster, flying his trade in in China these days. But um, Armando, I mentioned at the start of this interview that you were the first ever captain to lead a Spurs side out at our new stadium, back when you led us to a 3-1 win over Southampton's under-18 team. And as a Spurs fan, you can imagine I'm pretty jealous of you, that you had that, um, that honour bestowed upon you. But tell me, um, was that moment the proudest moment of your career to date? And, and just what, what was that whole experience like playing in this historic match? Definitely the proudest moment of my career so far. That was, that was unbelievable. I mean, the stadium is ridiculously nice. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, but um, that whole experience, we, we went there, I think, the day before or a couple of days before, just to check out. Um, they showed us where we'd be going, um, what the changing rooms were like, all of that. But that entire experience was just crazy because um, the facilities are amazing. The changing room's amazing. Uh, there's like ice baths in the showers. And there's like, yeah, no, it's, it's unbelievable. And um, the food before was amazing. There's a little rec room where you relax because obviously you eat three hours before a game normally. So we went there three hours earlier, eight, and then there was like a one and a half hour period where you don't do anything. So we were just in this recreation type room, but it was, it was, everything was just perfect. But going, walking out onto the pitch with the fans, that's, that's the, that's the, yeah, definitely the big, biggest amount of people I've, I've ever played in front of. Um, but everything about that experience was, was unbelievable. And definitely being captain was the proudest moment for me. Yeah, whenever you see the highlights from that game, the first thing they see is you walking out onto the pitch. So that is, you know, a, a memory etched into Spurs history. So, you know, yeah, good I, on you. I actually went the wrong way as well when I walked out. <laughs> I the wrong way. At least he didn't do a, a Robbie Savage. There's that like famous clip of him tripping over his own boots <laughs> when he comes out of the tunnel after halftime, I think, back in the day he was playing for Birmingham or something. So it, it could be worse. No, it could be. <laughs> So I remember walking and I was thinking, oh, they're already in line and it's taking us a lot longer to get in line. And I was like, oh, well, I went the <laughs> And yeah, did you, um, in the, didn't I, I've, I've seen the highlights and stuff, so I know Janelle Bennett got the first goal and there were a few, there was the penalty, Harvey White and Mark Kande, did he get a goal? Yeah. Did you, um, did you get any chances to score? Yeah, I did. I had a header and I missed. Oh, oh no. I jumped and I, I hit it wide. But yeah, no, no, I was so upset. That would have been the first goal. But Janelle got it and that's one of my best friends. Yeah, no, it was great. It was a, it was a brilliant goal, to be fair. 
what would you have done if you'd scored? What was would you have done the Jurgen Klinsmann diving celebration? What, what would you just run around like a headless chicken? <laughs> that's that's as good a way to celebrate as any, to be honest. So we're now going to move on to Atletico and Belarius now for a bit, a bit of chat about that. So um, back at the start of 2020, you had your first spell with Atletico um, when you joined them on loan, as did your brother Sam too, incidentally, um, for his second loan spell at the club. And you, you did manage to get a few appearances in for them, but then obviously coronavirus happened and the whole world <laughs> shut down. Um, so... How was this initial experience pre-COVID? And also, yeah, what, what was it like to play professional football with your brother? To be fair, we didn't even share him in on the pitch because he, oh, okay. he came primarily because he was injured. So he, he had a back problem from the very start of the season. And he was out for about 10, mo- 10 months or so. So when he came, it was because he'd obviously had a really good season with the club the year before. And so Tenerife were a bit unhappy with the fact that he wasn't getting better. So he said, look, I'll just go. If, you, if you're not going to let me do the recovery that I need, because um, there, there was some person in London who was helping him a lot with his recovery, and Tenerife was saying, no, you can't go back to London. Um, you have to do recovery here. So he was like, look, I'll go on loan for six months. They let, he came to the hours. We had a good relationship. They let him come back to London for a bit, for a month or so, do his recovery. Um, and he ended up getting better. He came on in the last game for about five minutes just before just before lockdown happened. Um, so I'd been playing in the games before that, so we never actually crossed paths on the pitch. Obviously, we were living together and stuff, and that was great. Um, but the loan experience in general helped me grow up a lot, so I'll always be thankful for that. The season didn't go how I'd wanted it to go in terms of um, minutes and opportunities given. But I've got, I've got no regrets about going. I don't think that 23s was the place for me anymore. So I'm, I'm happy I came. The, the manager's probably not the right manager for me. And I remember coming after lockdown, we still had the playoff games to get, to get promoted. And we had um, like three friendies before, before the actual playoffs. And I was the best midfielder by quite a distance in all of those games. So I really thought that I was going to play, come playoffs, I was going to start. Then I remember the manager bringing me over before the first playoff game and saying, look, so they were playing with like two, two defensive midfielders, but only playing with two midfielders and they were both super defensive. And one was the captain and the other was like the vice captain or the vice vice captain. And he said, if anything happens to either of them, you're coming on straight away. If nothing happens to them, you're not going to play. And that's that. And we played the playoff, nil-nil, the first one to get promoted. Lost on penalties, Sam oh, missed the penalty. Yeah. And then um, the next game we lost, and I didn't get a minute in either because they were fine. So it wasn't the manager for me. I don't know if it was just uh, he hadn't seen me. He said he hadn't seen me in a big game before, so he didn't want to risk playing in the playoff, which I understand, but it was obviously disappointing. Um, but yeah, it's a new manager this season, and you set up and everything. So 
hopefully hopefully i get a couple more minutes yeah no i'm sure you will from the sounds of things especially if you're saying you were the best midfielder in the team it sounds like the old guy was just picking off of reputation or yeah what you felt most comfortable with but i'm sure you'll you'll work yeah, your way into the first team yeah, it's hard um, to manage sometimes yeah <laughs> i was almost about to empathize with that but i just play football manager so i can't i can't relate <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll take your word for it that it is difficult for them <laughs> otherwise uh, armando what has been your experience so far of the difference in style specifically between english football and spanish football it's a lot slower here it's 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 almost exactly this league at least is almost the exact same as league one and league two in terms of the style of football that's played. It's basically just hoof it and, and fight for the battles in the field, stuff like that. The only difference is they're just less physical in general here. Not in terms of they're not trying to be physical. It's just normally the players aren't, aren't as quick as those you find in England. The game isn't as fast-paced as what you find in England. It's not like people aren't as strong. But the, the style is basically exactly the same. It's League 1 and League 2. It was really interesting I don't think it would be like that. Yeah, no, I'm a bit surprised too. Yeah, you, yeah. you always hear about the increased level of mm. technical ability or maybe the fact that whether or not they're going to be running around as fast, they're maybe going to be moving the ball around faster and they're not going to be hoofing it. So that is a bit of a surprise. But besides um, you mentioning the fact that maybe the players aren't as athletic as you might find in, in England, do you also find that the referees detract from the physical side of the game? They sort of police it more and they don't allow as much physicality? Um, probably a little bit, but I was expecting the referees to be a lot, um, a lot less lenient than they are. The two games where I played the most minutes, there were two completely different referees. So one of them didn't give anything, like at all, and the other one would would blow every single opportunity. So I think it just depends on on the referee you get, and that's in all countries. So I'm not really sure based on the minutes. I yeah, it's very enlightening to hear that it's similar to lower league football in England. I, I, I wasn't expecting that. But you have, of course, now signed for Baleares on a permanent basis, um, which, of course, means you sadly no longer play for my team, Tottenham. But um, given that you'd been at Spurs for quite a long, well, a long, long period of time um, in your life, how how difficult a decision was it to leave? I know you, you were saying earlier that you kind of had outgrown that under-23 team. So was it, was it actually for you not that difficult a decision or was there still in the back of your head were you thinking, should I stay in England and stick around at Spurs? Yeah, what, what was your thought process on the whole thing? It was, it, it was a really hard decision. Um, less so on the time I'd spent there. I'd, I'd been there for 11 plus years at the time. But it was, that was less a factor of, um, in my decision than, than you might think. But um, for me, it was... I was coming from a place that I'd grown up as a person, as a player. Um, I'd gotten a lot stronger, I'd gotten quicker um, through lockdown, through everything that happened. I think everyone's mentality shifted somewhat because of lockdown. And I felt that it had a positive effect on me personally. So I thought, look, Mourinho's in, a lot of youngsters are going up. That was where the hard decision was for me. But I only had a year left on my Tottenham contract. And Baleares were offering me two years. And with Corona, you just, don't, you just don't know what's going to happen. And plus, I'm not typically the player that Mourinho would usually go for as well. So that was a factor. But the security of the two years, 
if I got injured or something like that or something, God forbid, happens this year, having the other year, especially with the times as they are now, was a, was a massive part of the decision. And also just, I think the most important thing is just playing games, especially at this age. So the 23s league is, is fine-ish. It's not great um, in terms of what it can do for you as a player. This league, on the other hand, even though it's not the best league in the world, it's not the best football in the world, the mobility to move between leagues is massive, especially if you're young and a foreign like English. They love, they love like a young English player. Here. So one of the guys that came on loan here last year from Reading, a um, year older than me, played six months, got injured. Um, but because of those six months, he ended up getting a move to Salta Vigo, which is a, a La Liga team. My brother obviously went to Tenerife, which had he not been injured last year would have been an amazing move. But yeah, the mobility between leagues was a massive factor. You can get scouted really easily from, from the big clubs because a lot of the B teams play, play in the same league. Um, so it was a hard decision and I talked to a lot of people about it. But in the end, I thought I made the most grown-up decision that I could and I don't regret it. Sounds like you had an idea in your mind of what you wanted to do and you've executed it. Yeah. So, yeah, well done. Well done for being decisive. I'm sure it's yeah, not, not easy. Yeah, yeah. Did you fancy Armando doing a sort of Danny Rose-esque barging into the Mourinho <laughs> office and being like, why aren't you picking me? <laughs> it crossed my mind, but no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go through. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I thought, I'd, I, you know, I'd ask, like, you never know, maybe, maybe it might have happened. I mean, that, that might be a moment Danny Rose lives to regret. I thought that was, that was um, not that bad from Danny Rose. You know, he thinks something, so he might as well say it and, and keep it. Going. Yeah, no, it was, um, it, was a, it was a very interesting moment to watch. Was, yeah, if you don't ask, you don't get sometimes. A lot of people will think it, but not, not actually do it. Yeah, but for, for me at least, I, I was going to speak to the academy, academy manager, not, not quite on Danny Rose level like that. I was gonna just say, look. At the end of the day, I was st- I left in January, and I was still the top scorer in the under twenty threes from midfield. Um, so I understand that um, I've grown up as a person, as a player. I want to just come back and and show you, show everyone that, that I can do this, um, etc. But when I was coming back from Spain. After the lockdown, they said that I had to take three weeks off. And I said, look, I don't need the, the three weeks off. I've just had three months of doing nothing. Look, I'm, I'm, more than, I'm more than happy to just come in from day one with the rest of the boys. I don't, I, don't, I don't need another break. And they said that I couldn't do that. So in the end, by the hour, I was pushing for it. So I didn't actually get another session at Tottenham because they wanted everything to be signed off and done with. So I ended up not having the last session at Tottenham or the last three weeks that I wanted to try and prove myself. But that's how life goes at the end of the day. So, it, yeah, it is what it is. And I think it's always better to go somewhere where you're overtly wanted, especially in a career like football. Yeah, no, it makes a massive, massive difference in all walks of life. Whatever job you do, you want to feel... You want to feel wanted by the people paying your wages and people who you end up working with. It makes a massive difference. Um, but Armando, I've got to ask you, now that you're living on the island, about the nightlife. So 
you're not far from, from Magaluf, a notorious party destination. And I think we all know Magaluf's nickname. I'm not going to say it, but it starts with the first two letters of your last name, Armando. Um, can you tell us a bit about any memorable nights out on the island or even any nights that you maybe didn't remember too well the next morning? <laughs> this is going to sound super political and super goody goody, but I actually don't really go out of it. <laughs> Just because I don't know anyone here. Even when I was with my brother, like, we got out to eat or um, maybe to have a drink somewhere, but it wasn't like we knew anyone or we could go to any crazy parties or, or anything like that. And even, um, like we don't even know the, the city and stuff. We don't know which clubs are good, which, which. So we just, in the end, kind of both decided last year, look, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. So why are you going out and just not enjoying yourself? So then Corona hit as well. So probably that was the period where more people would be coming to the island that's when life would probably get a bit livelier. We'd start going out a bit more. But, and now that my brother's not here, I just, I kind of just stay in. Shisha's a pretty big thing here, though. Just okay. shisha places. And your, your manager can't be too pleased with the, the shisha because that's like, what, smoking like 50 cigarettes at once? Can I, can't be good for your cardio. <laughs> exactly. So I don't, I don't smoke shisha, and shisha's like the main thing. Oh, okay. okay. I'll right. wait every, every month and a half or whatever it is before we go to London and just enjoy myself there. It sounds, it sounds like you've got to get on the phone to Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood and then, <laughs> um, you know, live, live that either. That was, it, was a, it was a trick question anyway, Armando, and you, you gave us the right answer, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't want to write you out. <laughs> yeah. But one, one final question for you before we wrap this up, Armando, and is there a youngster at Spurs currently that you've played with or an opposition player in youth football that you've played against who the bigger footballing audience will be hearing much more about in years to come? Who's like a hidden gem right now that nobody really knows but is going to break through sooner rather than later? That's a hard question, let me think. Because most of the people that I would have said are already known. So I would have said someone like Callum Hudson-Doy or Bukayo or something. Maybe there's a guy from Arsenal, a striker called, called Flo. Oh, Balogun. Is that Florian Balogun? Yeah. Or no, Follerin? No, he's Balogun. very, very good. Marcus um, Edwards, he's going to be, he always was going to be. Amazing. It's a shame with him for Spurs, because I remember um, he came on as a sub in the Cup a few years ago uh, for the last 10 minutes in the last year at White Hart Lane. And he just like took the piss out of the other team, basically. He just like, and, he, and obviously like Pochettino sort of put him in it a bit when he said um, he's, the, he's our Messi or something like, he, something along those lines. And um, he, I mean, it looks like, whilst I'm, you know, I'm gutted it didn't work out for him at Spurs, he's done really well in Portugal. So I'm sure he'll be back in, um, if not the Premier League, one of Europe's top leagues pretty soon. I've always felt like some of the best talent Tottenham have had have gone have gone for free. I've just never really understood the business behind that. But again, they, they do things as a club that I don't always agree with, but is what it is. They want a certain type of player or a certain type of person. Well, as long as you don't come back and score against Spurs, Armando, that's fine. I don't want you to take your revenge out on us on the pitch. scored against Arsenal, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, Edwards so. did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I, was, I was out of the stadium. That was great. Yeah, that was a nice. That was a nice moment. Yeah, he's going to break through. From from Tottenham, um, people you don't know may not know about Janil, Janil Bennett, Paris Magoma who went to Brentford, Tash, 
Um, who's that? Stoke. Rio is at Leon. Rio Griffiths. Yeah, yeah. And um, Jonathan Dinsey just went to Arsenal. Yeah. So, what are you friends with him? Like, how how did he kind of feel about making the move across I'm North really London? Good Tottenham didn't treat him the best, so I think he's really happy. He's in a he's in a better place now. He's in a much better place now. <laughs> for him, for him, definitely. I'll um I'll let him off. He I, I won't treat him like a Sol Campbell figure. He's a bit he's a bit younger, so he gets a bit of a free pass. But hopefully, he's not too good for Arsenal. <laughs> I think he'll play for Arsenal this season. Ah, uh-huh. there we go. That's a good prediction. Dinsey to play for Arsenal. We'll take that. But I think he will. He's got he's got a proper head screw on his shoulders as well. So. Nice. Well, um, that actually brings us to the end of our interview, Armando. So, thank you very much, and it's been it's been lovely to chat. Um, could you let our listeners know the best way to follow you to and your career? In my career is wait a couple of years and they'll see me on TV. Oh, like that. What about in the short term, if people yeah. are desperate to know about your day to day? Do we do we have any social media profiles we can promote here? Yeah, you can follow me on my Instagram if you'd like, at Armando Shash. There's an app called Footers, where oh, you yeah. can watch most of the games. Footers, oh. F-O-O-T-E-R-S. I think it's like a subscription thing, but I think you can watch most of the matches there, because that's how I watch my brother. Great. Well, you know, I'll definitely be tuning into a few Baleares games this year, seeing you score, score goals against all the other teams, against, I don't know, Atletico B team or Barca B or whoever it is you, you, you come up against. But um, that, that's all from us, really. Um, remember to follow us at BlazersFGPod on Twitter and at Blazers for Goalposts on Facebook. Unfortunately, our Instagram account has still been deactivated, but we're hoping to get that backing up soon. That's all for now, folks. Goodbye.